At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Like our Italian sub, piled high with Genoa salami, pepperoni, and Virginia honey ham. Or our Firehouse Meatball Sub with zesty marinara, both with melted provolone and Italian seasoning. Your choice, just $6.99 each for a medium and only for a limited time at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your order. Buffalo Wild Wings has specials on food from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, and great deals on drinks all day. It's the perfect way to offset a long day. Text that hilarious joke about your boss to your boss. What? No, no. Try a $3 Wild Herd by Goose Island. Set your morning alarm for 6 p.m. That calls for $5 strawberry margaritas. So if you ask your phone why you're still single and... Ha, ha, ha. Seriously? Head to Buffalo Wild Wings. At participating locations, taxes and fees apply. Dine-in only. Drink responsibly. Offers vary by location. Void where prohibited. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All hit Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Geez, if anybody doesn't believe in the paranormal, all they have to do is watch uh, the uh, different news networks, especially the ones on the cable news channels. Just can't believe it. You know, there's there's more cyber hacking going on there than anywhere else. Uh, welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, Radio X, uh, across Europe, and uh, the Exxon Broadcast Network. My guest this hour is David S. Brody. He is a Boston Globe bestselling fiction writer and author of nine novels, a graduate of Tufts University and Georgetown Law School. He is a former director of the New England Antiquities Research Association and is an avid researcher in the subject of pre-Columbian exploration of America. He has been frequently appearing as a guest expert on documentaries airing on the History Channel, Travel Channel, PBS, and Discovery Channel. All six books in his Templars in America series have been Kindle top ten bestsellers. He resides in Westford, Massachusetts with his wife and two daughters. And we're going to be talking to uh, Dave tonight about his recent novel, Echoes, Echoes of Atlantis. And um, 
You know, during the commercial breaks and after the show, you can visit his website at www.davidbrodybooks.com. And David, welcome to the Exxon. Great having you with us. Congratulations on all your successes. Oh, thank you, Rob. I appreciate uh, you having me on as a guest tonight. Uh, tell us about Atlantis. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's people listening tonight who have said, you know, I've heard about Atlantis, but I, I need to know more about it. So if you could take us using your researcher and your explorer hat on, what is Atlantis? Sure. Right. Well, that's exactly the, the path I took when I sat down to decide whether I wanted to write a novel about Atlantis. I mean, we all have heard the legends and the Disney movies and maybe the Edgar Cayce psychic encounters and whatever, but the question always has been in my mind, that did it really exist? And if so, mm-hmm. where was it? Where did it go? How do we prove it? Is there any possibility, is there any evidence today that we can uncover, you know, 12,000 years later or whatever that we'll, we'll show? You know, this is the lawyer in me, the lawyer training. Yeah. I'm looking for evidence to build a case. And to be honest, I didn't really think there would be enough to write a whole novel about. I mean, I sort of felt like there was just going to be a few little things, and in the end it was going to putter out. And I was able to find a number of different pieces of evidence, and I decided to cobble them together from different disciplines. There wasn't enough evidence just uh, geological. There wasn't enough biological. There wasn't enough uh, historical. There wasn't enough archaeological. But there were little pieces of evidence I could take from each of those fields and, again, cobble together a pretty compelling case that at some point, maybe 12,000 years ago, there was some kind of advanced civilization in the middle of the Atlantic that, as Plato said, disappeared in a, in a, in a heartbeat, and that that whole advanced civilization was lost. Why is it that Plato's words, and he's the only one who's, who ever talked about Atlantis, nobody talked about Atlantis before Plato, and yet those words have have remained in throughout history and through antiquity to this very day. How come? Well, first of all, you know, Plato is considered one of the great thinkers of all time. So, you know, the old E.F. Hutton commercial, maybe yeah. I'm aging myself. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. When Plato talks, people listen, I think is, is what it is. But, but you're right. He was the, really the first one and really the only one to talk mm-hmm. about it. But he was very specific in two things. He dated it very specifically at 11,600 years before present. And secondly, he's placed it out in the Atlantic outside the Straits of Gibraltar, the Pillars of Hercules, and on the way to another opposite continent, which surrounds the true ocean. In other words, on the way to America, mm-hmm. which, you know, on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. And so the first thing I did is look at that date, the 11,600 before present date. It's, it's a, not a arbitrary date. Obviously, he picked a, a specific date. Yeah. And it turns out that that coincides really nicely with something called the end of the younger dry-ass cooling period. We had the Ice Age, and then things warmed up, and then things about 15,000 B uh, before present, and then things got cold again in the younger dry-ass. It was like a second Ice Age. And then right at 11,600 years ago, just as Plato dated the fall of Atlantis, something catastrophic and cataclysmic happened that caused that ice age to end. All right, let's uh, hold it right there because I've got to take my commercial break. Exonation, David Brody is our guest. He is the author of a book about Atlantis, Echoes of Atlantis. His website is www.davidbrodybooks.com. And David and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue talking about Atlantis right here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, and of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program. For the secret to everything is for you, the listener. For those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Exonation David Brody is my special guest this hour, talking about Atlantis, one of my favorite topics. David is the uh, author of the most recent novel entitled Echoes of Atlantis, and his website is davidbrodybooks.com. David, before we went to the commercial break, you and I were talking about um, Plato, how he started talking about Atlantis, and you being a lawyer and a researcher and an explorer took the number of years that Plato said Atlantis kind of disappeared, and you did, you did some great uh, detective work there. Right. So Plato said, just so listeners understand his exact words, there occurred violent earthquakes and floods, and in a single day and night of misfortune, the island of Atlantis disappeared in the depths of the sea. Okay. So, and he dates that at 11,600 years before present. So that sounds like some kind of cataclysmic event to me. Yeah. And then at the same time, we have the end of something called the Younger Dryas Cooling Period, 
all of a sudden at 11,600 BP, we have this spike of temperature ending the ice age. So I think it's an easy conclusion to draw that some kind of cataclysmic event occurred, perhaps an asteroid strike or a meteorite, that uh, did two things. One, it unleashed these massive floods, which Plato talked about. And then secondly, some kind of release of energy that caused the temperatures to rise. You know, picture a, a ball of fire hitting the earth, melting the ice caps. We have floods, we have warming, we have um, volcanic uh, activity, seismic activity, all the things that Plato talked about also would cause this rise in temperature. And, but it, more importantly, for our purposes, mm -hmm. it would have wiped out this uh, continent or island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. But let me ask you this, Counselor. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. If Plato reported this cataclysmic event that affected, Play that affected Atlantis, are there any other historical writings in the same era as the alleged date of the disappearance of Atlantis to collaborate the claims of a cataclysmic event as portrayed uh, as, you know, as spoken about by Plato. Sure, and, and, and earlier in the first segment we talked about how the, the trail is cold. We're talking 12,000 years ago, so there's only so many historical sources, but there are more sources than just Plato. So, okay. for example, there's a Sumerian legend from 3500 BCE, Quote, before the stars were born, before people built great cities, the great mountain Atlan, A-T-L-E-N, shook and bled fiery blood. The land all around burned. Many animals and people died. So we have that same A-T-L root as Atlantis. We have an Atlan. Okay, so it's a very similar thing to what Plato said. And this is a Sumerian speaking almost 6,000 years ago. Yeah, but this last person said before the stars. That didn't kind of make sense to me. The Sumerian legend, before the stars were born, yes. Yeah. Well, obviously, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it didn't happen before the universe occurred. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, you know, legends oftentimes are exaggerations of truth. Well, let me ask you this then. Is there any connection between the sinking of Atlantis and the Great Flood, as talked about in the Bible? Possibly. I think the Great Flood happened a little later than that. You know, we, we, we're not sure of the dating of the Old Testament, of course, but... The, the account from Plato and also some other evidence that we see in Central America mm -hmm. indicates it wasn't just a flood. It was also earthquakes and volcanoes and whatnot. It's, it almost sounds like you know some kind of volcanic eruption in addition to the flood or probably maybe even causing the flood. So it's possible that the Great Flood in the Bible is the same as this, but I think they're two different events. Um, you would ask earlier about other sources. If mm -hmm. Sanskrit writings from ancient India also describe an island called Atala, and we have that ATL route again. And they describe it as being off the western shore of Africa with many cities and an advanced civilization that burned and sank to the bottom of the Atlantic. So we do have other sources besides Plato, ancient sources, that talk about some kind of advanced civilization out in the, out in the middle of the Atlantic. But how come we only, we only give any credence to the story from Plato, these other examples that you gave us? Many people have never heard of before. I don't think we don't give credence. I think we just, you know, we're Western thinkers, and so we look at Western sources. Uh, these corroborate. This is the type of thing, as a lawyer, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to go to the jury with evidence, and it's always good if I can corroborate that evidence with other sources, not just one eyewitness, but also a second eyewitness and some forensic evidence and okay. some circumstantial evidence. You know, the more you can do. And, and, and the reason I went ahead to write this novel is I found evidence sort of indicated something had gone on, and then it was a question of, are there more pieces of evidence, and do they fit into the connect-the-dots thing that I'd drawn already, the conclusions I'd drawn? If I was right, the new evidence should fit, and if I was wrong, the new evidence would be an outlier, and I'd have to revise my theory, or I was on the wrong track entirely. And I found more and more that even since I wrote the book, even evidence that's come in later has been right on the line that we thought it would be. Wow. So it's really been a satisfying thing to sort of have, have confirmation that we might be on the right track here. With all the technology that we have available to us these days, has there ever been any evidence of Atlantis found by modern-day explorers and expeditions? In the 1930s, a uh, U.S. geological survey, uh, a scientist by the name of, 
and I, I love his name, Charles Pigott, and you see a picture of him, he's got his little pipe, and he looks very official, he's an Ivy League uh, educated. In 1936, he did, for, on behalf of the U.S. Geological Survey, they did deep source, deep core soundings mm-hmm. along the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, and the, the, the result showed um, sediment deposits on both sides of the ridge, moving in opposite directions, and most importantly, volcanic ash on both slopes that dated to 12,000 years ago. So right, right where we, Plato says we have this volcanic eruption of some mm-hmm. kind, the, the island sank, we've got, we've got volcanic ash, which obviously would not exist underwater unless that, at, at that time the ridge was above the water surface. Also down there, they found beach sand and freshwater fossils along the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. And so that's where we think, that's where I think, that Atlantis is. If you, if you look at a topographical map of the Atlantic Ocean, there's a, a ridge that runs like a snake right through the heart of it. It sort of starts at Iceland and it comes down and it picks up islands like the Azores and St. Peter and St. Paul Island off of Brazil. But there's a snake-like ridge that's much higher than the deep parts of the Atlantic that looks like that's where Atlantis would have been located. What would be the significance of the finding of Atlantis in today's society? I'm not sure it would have any specific significance. I think, it's, I think everybody uh, is fascinated by our history. And I know the first thing that I had to sort of get past was mm-hmm. this whole idea that at a time when everyone on Earth is running around, grunting, hitting each other over the head with clubs, had not invented the wheel, had not invented written language, but at that time somehow there was an advanced civilization. Okay, is that possible? And then I thought about it, and I said, well, let's turn that around and say, here we are today, and we go to the moon, and we have artificial hearts, and we split the atom, and yet there are pockets of civilization on the Earth today that are still Stone Age. They are still living no differently than they did 50,000 years ago. There's a tribe on an island off of India, and they still to this day do not understand the causal relationship between sexual intercourse and procreation. Okay, so there are still people who are living no different than they did 50,000 years ago. So if that's true today, isn't it also possible that 12,000 years ago there was one civilization that sort of bubbled up ahead of everybody else and was far more advanced, and then, then they were wiped out. But where would they get that knowledge from? Knowledge, when we're talking about knowledge, we're talking about science, and we're talking about art. Mm-hmm. And those are both a product of societies that have leisure time. So if we think about Atlantis being in the middle of the Atlantic, along the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, say south of Iceland, mm-hmm. anyone who's been to Iceland understands it's a very temperate climate, even though it's called Iceland, the... the Help me on this, Rob. The uh, the winds that come up, the tra- not the trade winds, but the uh, jet stream. You know, no. The jet stream. Thank mm-hmm. you. The jet stream comes <laughs> comes up through the Atlantic, and it keeps Iceland very warm. And so, something that would have been south of that, mm-hmm. say twelve thousand years ago, would have had a, an amazingly temperate climate at a time when other parts of the Earth were going through the ice age. That would have allowed them to trade profitably, and that would have created the leisure time needed to do things like uh, science and and art and other advancements in society, and that's what leads to technology and civilization. But wouldn't it be worthwhile for a modern-day expedition to go back to the location that was found in the 1930s using our modern-day technology, using uh, ROVs, using manned subs using side scan sonar to establish whether or not Atlantis is actually there because if they were that advanced who knows what we could discover there that would help us in our world today I 100% agree with you Rob that that, that would be a fascinating expedition I do think it's a mistake if we if we think when we talk about advanced I don't think these are people who were who had flying machines and who were more advanced than we are. Mm-hmm. I think when we're talking advanced, we're talking advanced for that time period. Again, this is at a time before the wheel was invented. So think about advanced being about equal to what the Romans were able to do 2,000 years ago. And that's what we're talking about, being able to build with stone, uh, the wheel, uh, husbandry, agriculture. Like the Egyptians with water the pyramids. Supplies, that kind of yeah. stuff. Right about where the Romans were 2,000 years ago. Metallurgy, of course, would have been very important. 
yeah. the people who were hunter-gatherers, the kinds of things that the Romans did 2,000 years ago would have seemed incredibly advanced. Well, you know, I've learned... So again, so- I don't think we're talking advanced to today's level, but compared to everyone else around them, it would have mm-hmm. been light years ahead. Something I've learned during this show the number of years that I've done. History lies, archaeology lies, and science lies. Agree, agree, and agree. You know, because God... I've got grandchildren who are still being taught in school that Columbus discovered America. Right, and and, and you, before I wrote the book, book on Atlantis, I wrote mm-hmm. five other novels about other groups of people coming to North America before Columbus. Yep. You know, wh- whoever it is, whether it's the Scots or the Phoenicians or, Vikings. The, or the Druids yep. or, of course, the Norse, the Vikings. But yes, waves of explorers coming across the Atlantic. I 100% agree with you. My, my favorite group was the uh, the Irish monks who turned right when they should have turned left and gone to the next pub. <laughs> the my, my book, Before Echoes of Atlantis, was called The Isaac Question, and it turns on the stone chambers and other artifacts mm-hmm. in New England that seem to indicate Brendan the Navigator, Irish monks, coming across the North Atlantic about 550 A.D., just as Tim Severins did in a, in a uh, reenacted that in a leather boat coming across from Ireland to, I believe, to Labrador or Newfoundland yep. back in the 1970s. And, and now there's even uh, speculation, and they've nearly proved that China was over to the Americas before, uh, about the same time as, as the Vikings and as the, um, the, the Irish. You know, so what the heck? So the, the, the book you're talking, I think, is... Uh, Gavin Menzies, a book, 1421, where he makes the argument that this, the Chinese had an advanced yes. fleet that yep. came all the way across and explored, basically circumnavigated the world. And it's a fascinating possibility as well. Stead, my, my friend, you and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, David Brody is our special guest. He's the author of Echoes of Atlantis. His website, davidbrodybooks.com. And we'll be back on the other side talking more about Atlantis. And who knows, we may get into some other... Very interesting topics. It's a hunch. I'm not a psychic. Mind you, I know you were going to say that. We'll be back. Don't go away. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. 
Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. Exonation, before we get back to my guest, I have some exciting news that I would love to share with you, but I can't. Well, not right now I can't. As we get closer to May the 1st, I've got some great news. I had a good conversation today with a good friend of mine. His first name is Steve. That's all I'm going to tell you. And those of you who have been listening to our show and watching our TV programs know who I'm talking about. Let me just say this. By May the 1st, the Exxon radio show and the Exxon TV show is going to be on a number of cruise lines around the world, on oil rigs around the world, and a new satellite network around the world. We're growing, thanks to you, the members of the Exxon Nation. My guest this hour is David Brody. He's the author of Echoes of Atlantis. His website is davidbrodybooks.com. And Dave, you and I were talking off air uh, during the last uh, news break about different things. And you talked about eels. And I said, wait, we've got to talk about this on air. So go ahead. Right. So I mentioned earlier that if we're going to find evidence of ancient continent of Atlantis 12,000 years ago, the, the, the trail is cold. And whatever evidence there is, most of it's buried mm-hmm. at the bottom of the Atlantic. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those cobbling together an argument, and we talked a little bit about some historical sources mm-hmm. and some geological sources, and I've got some uh, some, cart- some maps, some ancient cartography that indicates in a landmass in the middle of the Atlantic, but I turned to biology at one point, and I was really fascinated to learn about eels. So eels are a freshwater animal, and, and most people know here in North America, they live in ponds and lakes near the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when they grow to adulthood at the age of about 15 or 20 years old, they get to be five or six feet long, and they swim down the streams uh, and into the ocean. And they swim out east towards the continental ridge, and then they head south, and they spawn in an area called the Sargasso Sea. It's a shallow area out in the middle of the Atlantic, right near the Atlantic Ridge. Atlantic Ridge. Now, that's a saltwater area, of course, and these are freshwater animals. There is something called nostophilia. It's a biological term, and what it is, it's an instinctive urge in animals that compels them to return to their remote homeland. So we've got these eels. They go out from the lake, from the freshwater lakes, out to the saltwater. They spawn. The baby eels are born. They live for about a year until they grow strong enough, and they swim back through the Atlantic West to the streams and, and up the streams and into the lakes and ponds in North America, and then 20 years later they repeat the cycle. So they go freshwater to saltwater to freshwater. 
What's fascinating is there are eels in Europe, and they do the exact same thing. They go swim down the streams, out to the Atlantic. They swim west, the Sargasso Sea, where they meet up with their cousins from North America. They spawn, and then they swim home again. So we have two uh, families of eels that are both freshwater that swim out to the saltwater to spawn. It seems to me that the most obvious explanation for this is there's a common origin and that at one point that origin was a freshwater habitat, perhaps a continent above sea level. And when the continent sank, these eels were able to survive. They fled to the nearest continent which had fresh water. But this nostophilia, this instinctive urge to return to their remote homeland, drives them back to Sargasso Sea to spawn every year. Just like the, uh, just like the salmon returning to the place where they were born, swimming upstream. Just like, exactly. the, just like the nurse sharks that leave the Atlantic, come up the St. Lawrence River, up the Rimouski River, freshwater. Exactly, that, the instinctive urge. Yeah. And we have the same thing with the Catapsilia butterfly on the northern coast of South America in Guyana. Every April, tens of thousands of these beautiful yellow butterflies swim north out to the mid-Atlantic where they circle around and around and around as if over a continent or a landmass they expect to be there until eventually, out of exhaustion, they drop into the sea and die. Wasn't the Sargasso Sargasso Sea also where Christopher Columbus reported a lot of strange activity? Right. There's a lot of weeds and Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, spill water, a lot of the the Bermuda Triangle is partly there. It's it's a shallow area that is sort of in the middle of nowhere that, a lot of explanation. It's very quiet there. But yeah, I think, what, I think what's going on there is that, that that is part of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. And just as the eels go out to fulfill their ancient instincts, so these butterflies do the same thing. Could it be coincidence? I, I suppose. So I, I always have my characters say something in almost every book, and that is that they don't believe in coincidence. I think... If we're going to be thinking, rational, analyzing human beings, that it's too easy to say, ah, it's just coincidence. All right, let me ask you you this. I guess sometimes it is coincidence, but when you have that many things, I'd like to find uh, the explanation. All right, let me ask you this. What do the experts say? There are no experts on this, because again, because there, what, what, what field of study would, would Atlantis fall into? Well, history, I suppose, but there's no written history, so historians don't spend any time on it. What class in school would you ever have studied Atlantis? Philosophy. Have, the classics, if you read Plato, might have touched on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit. In no, I, 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 was talk, I was talking about your biological explanations. You know, the eels, the butterflies, the Sargasso Sea. There, yes, there, there, there is no. This, this happens all the time when, when experts don't have explanations for things. They sort of shrug and say, well... But in the defense of, say, the biologists, all they have is one piece of evidence. They have the eel, mm-hmm. or they have the butterfly. They don't also have Charles Pigott's geological survey and Plato's writings and the writings from the Sumerians and cart- cartographic evidence that I have. And Again, the great thing, and for all your listeners who are kids who are going to college and are liberal arts majors, and you're thinking, I'm just throwing my money away in a liberal arts education, this is the kind of thing you can do if you have a liberal arts major. You can actually look in different areas of academia and pick and choose and, and maybe make an argument and reach a conclusion. So what's your conclusion? You've given us the argument. Now give me the conclusion. So my conclusion is there was some kind of advanced civilization in the mid-Atlantic about 12,000 years ago. And there are, when I say there's echoes of Atlantis, that's my title, there is still pieces of evidence around that support that. So... We talked about the eels and the butterflies and, and historical record, but even even sites such as I'll, I'll go to the best one of all, um, Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, which dates back to about here's the right number eleven thousand five hundred years ago. Okay, and it, it's a fascinating site because up until recently, our kids were taught that civilization, quote unquote, began about 6,000 years ago in the Fertile Crescent in Mesopotamia. Well, this is civilization, and it doubles the age of the first estimate, almost 12,000 years ago, 11,500. It's a temple complex that what's fascinating about it is the center temple, the first temple built, is incredibly elaborate. It's a round temple. It, It dwarfs in scale and in scope 
the Stonehenge site in England, even though it's twice as old. Every generation built another temple further away from the center. And each temple proceeded to become less ornate, less elaborate, less skillfully built. It's almost like the first builders of the temple had advanced skills. Remember the date, 11,500 years ago, mm-hmm. right after the calamity that destroyed Atlantis. But perhaps there were some survivors, not many, but some, and they made their way to various posts around the Atlantic Rim. And they were able to hold on to some of their technology. And, of course, one of the first things they would do after a calamity would be build a temple to the gods. But because the infrastructure was gone, because there were so few of them, they were unable to continue this civilization, this technology. And so after about 20 or 30 generations, we can see that they just petered out. They were unable even to build a simple temple, whereas 20 or 30 generations earlier, they had these elaborate temples. That's not the way the human condition usually works. Usually things evolve instead of devolve. So we have that particular site in Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, mm-hmm. which again is strong evidence that something happened around 11,500 years ago that was advanced and then faded away. But why would that happen in Turkey when Turkey is at the other end of the Mediterranean Sea from where right. Atlantis there, was there supposed to be? There are a number of sites along the uh, Atlantic Rim, the Basques in northern Spain, there's some sites in Central America, the Orkney Islands, there are things called red paint burial sites all along mm-hmm. the north coast of New England and Maritime Canada. All of these sites have evidence of a burst of technological advancement 10 to 12,000 years ago that faded away. I gave you the Gobekli Tepe site because it's the most dramatic of those sites. So what kind of technological advances were, were seen or we can say that were part of the Atlantean tale in uh, the east coast of Canada and the United States. Good. This is is actually my favorite part of this conversation. There's something called the red paint culture, red paint burial sites. Mm -hmm. They date back to 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, even 12,000 years ago. And and the reason we call them red paint burial sites is quite obviously, this is obvious, but after people died, they were painted red and buried with their tools and weapons, the belief being that they would be reincarnated mm-hmm. and that the red paint would serve as blood, which allowed, would allow them to be reborn. And we have these red paint burial sites all along the Atlantic Rim. We have them in Latin America, Central America. We have them, like I said, in, in Maritime Canada. Uh, there's a site here in Massachusetts where I live along uh, the mouth of the Merrimack River. We have them in the Orkney Islands. We have them in Scandinavia. We have them in northern Spain where the baths are. And so we have this all across the Atlantic. We have this common burial practice going back 10,000 years or even earlier. So the question is, did all of these disparate cultures independently come up with the idea, hey, we need to paint our dead bones red so they have blood in the next life? Or is there a common origin that spread throughout the Atlantic that explains why all these different cultures have that burial practice? You know, you asked earlier about coincidence. I suppose it's a coincidence. It would be a coincidence that everybody could have thought of this by themselves. But I think the more logical, commonsensical answer is that this was a one uh, spot that it originated and then it spread. Like religion. Like religion. And so your, your specific question about te- technology, these red paint people, we know because they were buried with their weapons. Mm-hmm. They have incredibly advanced... Uh, deep-sea fishing weapons that we don't see being reinvented again for five or 6,000 years later. These people are out doing whale hunting in the middle of the Atlantic, again, long before we expect the Native Americans to have done things like that. They had barbed uh, harpoons. And we don't see that so much later. That's a technology that died out, and I think it originated someplace in the mid-Atlantic, spread, and then died. You know, uh, you and I have to say so long for tonight, but I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight, David. It's been a great pleasure having you on. I wish you much success with your book. And I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Exxon to talk about other mysteries and other ancient and buried secrets. 
Thank you so much, Rob. I really enjoyed being here. You take care of yourself, my friend. Exonation David Brody has been my guest this hour, www.davidbrodybooks.com. He is the author of Echoes of Atlantis. I'll be back on the other side of this news break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget to check out our good friends at 123 Ready TV to see the to see the app that is available for each and every one of you. Once again, that's www.123readytv.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't go away. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. 
The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Afterlife Voicemail System. If you're trying to reach heaven, please press 1. For Yahweh, press 2. For Muhammad, press 3. If you're trying to reach Nirvana, you're going about it all wrong, so we certainly can't help you. If you'd just like to leave a message, wait for the beep. Is this the Reverend uh, uh, Jordan, God-gifted problem solver and medicine man? Uh, yes, it is. My name is Gilbert Darley, G-M-A-R-L-E-Y. Yes. And I'm very glad I reached you because I have an emergency. How can I help you? Well, last night, see, I was watching TV. I don't know if you saw it. It was that special tribute to the Partridge family's Danny Bonaduce. He's one of my favorites. Anyway, my lottery number came up on the screen. Your, your what? My lottery number. And, you know, at first I didn't believe it, but then I realized that those were the numbers that I play every week. Well, brother, how can I help you? Well, <laughs> I can't find the ticket. And I was calling you because I think you're you're a psychic and you do voodoo curses and psychic stuff. Um. I'm a psychic, yeah. I was, I was uh, wearing my blue coat. I know that when I bought the ticket. And you know the one I'm talking about, the blue coat with the brass buttons with the hackers on them? Oh, uh, uh, yes, I do. Yes, yes I do. yeah, that's the one I wear. Yeah, I knew you would know that. See, okay, now, I think I put that ticket in the jacket breast pocket, but I cannot find the jacket, see? Yeah. And I always hang the jacket on the rack in the front hall. So okay. that I can't find it. Listen, I think I can help you. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, okay, oh, but, oh. first, okay, first you're going to need to do something for me, okay? So I'll be more than anything, All anything. Right. You're going to need to send me your name and your address, and you're going to need to send me a money order. I don't want cash, no, okay? I don't want cash. No cash. You okay. just, you send want me a money order. For money two, order. Send me a money order. For I can two, get that in the drugstore. Yeah, send me how, a money order for two hours. No, no, wait a how, minute. How, how much did you say you were going to win in this? Oh, I could win upwards of over uh, $100,000. Okay. Now, i tell you what I'm going to Oh, wait a minute. Now, see, the only problem is, is we would not be able to do this because, see, I've got to have that lottery ticket by noon tomorrow, and I don't have time to... Uh, to, to send you anything, you're just going to have to trust me. I can't help you until I get the money. Well, yeah, I realize because, you know, this is a business. and I mean, you do this, your, your God-given talent, you must. Uh, I'll tell you, I don't understand why I can't find it either, you know. I, it it could have been my maid. I have this wonderful lady who is, who is a house lady that helps me out. She's Portuguese yeah. or Siamese or something like that. Uh, she uh, doesn't speak any English, and she moves my things around all the time. I was thinking maybe she may have misplaced my jacket. You know, she's such a strange lady. <laughs> Even when she irons, you know, she, she doesn't iron clothes. What she does is she'll take your pants or your coat or something, and to iron it, she puts it uh, between the box springs and the mattress of the bed. <laughs> she's a wonderful lady, but I thought she may have put it in the closet, or I thought she might have put it somewhere were in the house or maybe packed it with my winter clothes, but I looked through all that and it's just Excuse nowhere me, to be found. Okay, now you, you tell me you have to have this ticket by tomorrow. Yeah, I've got to have it by noon tomorrow. Okay, now I, I run a business here. I understand I mean, that. I, 
I don't have any other way of supporting myself. I understand that, and, and, I, uh, and therefore I need, I need to have income. You understand? I understand that uh, to pay for the phone lines and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I've got to have, I've got to have some kind what of. What if I, you know, I would be glad to split this with you if I could, if you would help me find the ticket. I know there's no other way but to 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 do it this way. I think that would be marvelous. I think that would be yeah, okay. You, you now you have my word. You not listen. I would split this with you if we found this ticket. Possibly, I can help you. Okay. Possibly. Okay. Where should I look? You say, you say your mate puts these things, your clothes, right, in between <laughs> the mattress and the springs. Is that right? Yeah. Well, did you look there? I know. I didn't look. I've looked everywhere. Well, why don't you go look? Let me go. Can, uh, can you hold on here? Sure, I'm going to come right by. Uh, it's just in the next room, okay? Yeah. Okay. Oh, joy. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> this is good. I can't believe it. I found it. I found it. I found it. Reverend Jordine? Uh, yes, sir. Yes. It wasn't there. Oh. Uh, no, no wait yeah, it wasn't wait there. Wait a minute. Yeah. I, I heard you. I heard you. What? I, I heard you say that you found it. You were well, no, that. Oh, no. I was. You know what? What was. I was seeing when I was in there. Uh, so I just remembered I was what I was going to have for lunch. Oh. Uh, pimento cheese sandwiches. I love pimento cheese. And I always get very happy when I remember I'm going to have pimento cheese sandwich for lunch. But no, I guess I didn't find it. But thanks a lot for the help. I don't think you're playing fair with me. I don't uh, think this is proper. Well, I wish I'd found it. I really wish I had. Well, I gotta go have my pimento cheese for lunch now. It's been real nice talking to you. <laughs> okay, now I really didn't find it. I wish I had you will. <laughs> Hello, heaven here, God speaking. Look, if you leave your name, number and prayer after the tone, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Please note that I try to answer all prayers in strict rotation, but sometimes the answer is no. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. 
But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well, now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.